Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. I just kept getting no's and I would get a little yes here and there, but nothing close to what I had been used to and nothing that showed me that I was on the right track. I was struggling. I had to get a job. And this is so important, I think, for anyone who might be going through a challenging moment with their career. I took the pressure off of myself to make anything into the ultimate thing. And I just kind of started going through my life saying, what naturally comes up for me when I meet people? As I'm achieving things that are kind of of my wildest dreams right now, my job is to just be the most in integrity that I can be take care of myself and be of service. Welcome back to Woken Wired. Today, my guest is Nitika Chopra. Nitika is a personal friend. We have ran into each other at a bunch of wellness events in New York City and ended up really bonding when we went on a trip to Israel. In this conversation, we talk about how Nitika built a career in media and wellness without any connections, what to do when you're going through a rock-bottom moment as an entrepreneur, the power of surrender in business, and when taking the pressure off yourself is the answer. We talk about the other side of manifestation that no one talks about, growing up with a chronic illness and managing it as an adult, detaching your worth from your body, and building a legacy through your work. So if you're not familiar with Nitika Chopra, she is a leader in the wellness industry. She is a TV host and an honor expert for Fresh on QVC. And she is all about empowering women to use beauty as a tangible access point to self-love. Known for her straightforward tone and intense vulnerability, Nitika recently took everything she had learned from suffering with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis for the past 27 years and created a conversation about self-love in the chronic illness community. With her experience in public speaking, her highly engaged social media community, and her raw and honest writing that she shares weekly on her blog, Nitika is determined to get honest with her audience so that they can get honest with themselves in a way that truly transforms lives. You can join Nitika at the first ever Chronicon happening on October 28th of 2019 in New York City, and you can catch her on Instagram too, at Nitika Chopra. I really enjoyed this conversation. Nitika is like a breath of fresh air. And I hope you get a lot from it. And I'd love to hear from you. Please take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast and share your takeaways and tag at WokenWired and at Nitika Chopra. All the show notes are on WokenWired.com. You can find all the links and all the things we're mentioning there. And if you haven't yet rated the podcast, please take a moment to do so. Just go on iTunes and leave as many stars as you feel called and share your thoughts on how the podcast impacted your life, your business, your view of social media, and how you use it to get your message out there. Nedica, I am so excited to have you on Woke and Wired. Some people that I interview are people that I'm speaking to for the first time. And sometimes I'm very nervous when I'm recording those because we're still, you know, feeling out each other's vibes and yet we're going really deep with the conversation. So it's, it can be a challenge, but with you, I feel like I know you pretty well. We haven't seen each other that many times, but whenever we have, we've gone really deep. And I was just thinking this morning about how we met. And I realized that the first time we met from my recollection is when I co-hosted a breakfast event with Siggy, the founder of Siggy's Yogurt, and Well and Good at Mulberry and Vine in Tribeca, and you were one of the influencer guests, and I was convinced that you were Deepak Chopra's daughter. I am not. <laughs> we have no relation. So why don't we start there? 
Yes, I am not related to Deepak or Priyanka now that she's so famous. And yeah, no, I remember that too. I remember getting your heart bowl and I was like, who is this woman? Like, this is so cool. She curated this breakfast with Well and Good. And I just thought you were so cool when I met you. And I remember that very vividly. And yeah, and then from there, I mean, before we knew it, we were in Israel together talking on the bus. It was amazing. It's been great. I feel the same way talking mostly about boys. (laughs) Talking about boys, about business. Yeah. So we were mostly talking about boys and yeah, it was so fun. (laughs) So let's see. I am going to go straight to your Instagram bio. Okay. And your Instagram bio, I'm noticing, recently got updated to be very (laughs) minimal, very to the point. And yes. if you guys want to follow along, find Nitika, Nitika N-I-T-I-K-A, Chopra, C-H-O-P-R-A, and that's at Nitika Chopra, all one word on Instagram. So your Instagram bio right now says chronic illness advocate, red heart emoji, digital creator. I didn't even know that was a category. Like in your business category, you have digital creator. I have to talk about that. Yeah, it's like a whole other thing, apparently. I mean, I don't really know that much about it, but we can talk about it. It launched pretty recently. Yeah, we'll talk about it. There's a queen emoji, and it says founder at Chronicon Official, and microphone emoji, hashtag the point of pain podcast, and then it says learn about Chronicon plus more. Yes, that's it. (laughs) So what do you actually do when you wake up on a day-to-day basis? What is your life, your entrepreneurship, your schedule, everything look like? Yeah. So I will say that you're catching me at a really, you know, interesting time just because it's such a new period of my life. So I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years now. And the first few years of that, I was working a full-time job in real estate and then also, you know, working to make my dreams come true. And since 2013, I have been on my own, you know, doing this entrepreneur, solopreneur life. And it's there have been a ton of ups and downs, but I would say now what's been happening is I just launched Chronicon, as you said, from my bio. And it's basically I'm launching a startup right now. And so if you've ever listened to any stories about launching a startup, it is a lot. And it's been an interesting transition. So, I mean, in terms of like my morning routine, I feel like I'm really trying to figure out what my morning routine needs to look like right now because before I could kind of like wake up at 7 a.m., take the first two hours of my day, you know, just from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. to like slowly get ready, you know, play some beautiful meditation music while I'm cleaning up my apartment a little bit. That's like kind of always been my routine, make my bed brush my teeth, wash my face, you know, and just like light some incense and just things like that. Just light things in my apartment. I've never been like a super rigid person. So I feel like making my morning routine something that just felt easy and like a natural part of my day. And I didn't have to sit still (laughs) because I I have a hard time sitting still sometimes. That always worked really well for me. And then I would book, you know, any calls or meetings or podcast interviews or whatever it might be after 9 a.m., usually not until 10 a.m. That's usually like my first thing that I try to do. And then I would just go from there. And that always felt great. And I felt super grounded and just like I'm very spiritual. So I talk about God a lot. It's a, God is a huge driving force in my life. And it made me feel connected to God. And it was a very easy wake up, you know. Now, I'm not sure what I need to do (laughs) because I find myself taking work calls at 8 a.m. to fit in to talk to an investor. I'm talking, you know, I'm doing interviews way earlier because I've got 20 meetings during the day. And so, like, I don't have time to do an interview. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's been a little intense. And it's been interesting because I was just talking to my friend Jen, who's an astrologer. You know Jennifer Rassiopi, I think, too, right? I don't know. You don't know her? Oh, my God. You you should know her. Yes. I'll send you her Instagram bio and profile, and you should have her on the show. She's amazing. She's just the best. And so we were just chatting before I hopped on to do this interview, and 
we're just like, yes, this is, these are all good problems. These are all good moments of growth. But I definitely just need to figure out like, what does my body need? And what can I do to make my nervous system just settle a little bit while I'm going through kind of a huge growth spurt? Because the things that I was doing before were plenty and now they're just like nowhere close to enough. So I'm, you know, I'm super transparent and that's, that's genuinely where I'm at. So this morning I meditated for like seven minutes. <laughs> I sat still for seven minutes and I always go, I know you're big into like making all your coffees and your smoothies and they all look so delicious, but I'm into like going to my local coffee shop. It's, it's this place called Joe's Coffee. And I genuinely love going and I bring my own mug and I go because I just feel like getting clothes on and then first thing in the morning, like seeing humans and interacting with the same people every day, every morning, they kind of check in on me. They're like friendly faces. I don't know. It's really helped my mental health and it makes a big difference for me. So I do that definitely every morning, but the rest of it, I'm figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pause you here for a moment because yeah. I remember you bringing that up when you did a takeover of the Breakfast Criminals account. And yeah. If you guys don't know, every Wednesday, cool people like Nitika take over the account to share their morning routine. And I remember you sharing that and it was so refreshing. And yeah. I really love that idea of finding ways to serve your body, serve your mental health in whatever way that works for you. And that might look different than what everyone on Instagram shows you. You know, it might yeah. not involve a blender or a coffee machine. It might just involve leaving your apartment, maybe not even buying coffee, but going and talking to neighbors who are walking their dogs. Yeah. I, I don't know if dog people will find creepy when non-dog people are oh my God, No, they're time. used to it. Dog people, <laughs> if you've got a cute dog, you better be used to the fact that people are going to want to talk to you about it. Right. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's so real. I think, you know, always, I'm always inspired when I see like people post these things that they're making. And like, I just remember the first time I saw, remember when you first came over to my house for that breakfast criminal, like the, yeah, of course, how could we ever forget? We made like a fruit. Back when you were still not sure about me. (laughs) I was like, this girl wants to come over and like make me breakfast. What is happening? But it was so (laughs) delicious. So awesome. And I think the thing that I take from following accounts like yours is that while I don't do that specific thing every day, watching you do it, it makes me feel like I can do it. Does that make sense? So it's like, it just doesn't feel as unattainable. And then it's up to me to kind of, you know, infuse my own needs and figure out how I want to, you know, walk through life and and take what you're doing and say, oh, okay, like, Ksenia does this five times a day. I might do it five times a month and that's going to be great for me, but let me see what she's up to and and let me get inspired just the same. So talk to me, how did you end up where you are right now in terms of where you are with your entrepreneurial journey? Because the way I know you as a media personality, as a host, I know you as a brilliant event organizer. I've been to one of your self-love, chronic self-love evenings. And it was just so special. And as someone who is around a lot of different types of influencer and brand events, this was just so different and so heartfelt and so special. And I know you have a talent there. And clearly, the way you express your journey online about chronic illness and self-love resonates with a ton of people. You were just featured in Vogue India. Excuse me. Congrats. I'm curious. Thanks. (laughs) Talk to me about the trajectory. If you were to kind of step out of being you and just Mm -hmm. look clearly of why it happened and why you think you are here, what are you here to learn? And what is the driving force behind you putting all this energy that is tremendously big right now into launching this startup and this conference? Well, what I was saying, so for me, it all starts with my health. And when I was 10 years old, I was diagnosed with psoriasis and that is an autoimmune disease and it affects your skin. And basically I ended up having psoriasis from the tip of my foot to the tip of my head for the better part of 17 years of my life. And it was debilitating. It was emotionally exhausting and you know, psoriasis like flakes and it itches and then it bleeds. And I mean, it was just really, really, really hard. 
And I, you know, really was on a journey. I was on a spiritual journey. I was on an emotional one and a physical one. And then when I was 19, I was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis. And that, you know, took me even deeper into the journey. And a lot of this was, you know, it took me to the edge of life in a lot of ways. It made me feel like I was very unsure of why I was here, what was going on, what God's plan was for me. This like didn't make any sense. And I kind of awoke from all of that. At one point in my life, I was like praying to God and was just like, why am I here? Like, I don't even think I need to be here anymore. Like, this doesn't make any sense. And God, the message that I got back was, this is not about you. And I was 15 years old and everything is about you (laughs) when you're 15 (laughs) years old. So I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm the one who's in so much pain. I'm the one who's suffering. I'm getting bullied. I'm getting in so much trouble at home because I can't focus on school because I'm in so much physical discomfort. Like just, it was bad, you know? And then this is the message that I get back. And I mean, I, I share all of that because that is has really been the driving force of my entire life since I was 15. And I didn't know what that meant when I was 15. Like I didn't know about like blogging. The internet was just barely, you know, coming about. And what year was that? Let's see. I was born in 81, so like 96, I guess. Okay. Right. That was way pre-blogs. And where were you? Where were you growing up? Well, I grew up kind of all over the world from everywhere from Singapore to Cairo to Ohio and New Jersey. So at this point, I was in New Jersey and I was going to school in Jersey and I was getting bullied and I was one of the only, you know, people of color at the school. And it was really hard, you know, and then that just bred so many insecurities. And I mean, that's why I I tell people, I was like, I teach people about self-love because I needed it so badly, not because I'm just this like, you know, lovely person that just loves myself all day long. Like, no, (laughs) that's not. I teach about it because I had such a hard time with it. So yeah, so that notion that this is not about me just stuck with me, even though I didn't know what that was going to mean. But I knew it was true, you know, and I think we've all had those moments where things don't totally make sense, but you know it's the truth. So that, you know, sort of led me to fighting for figuring that out when I got older. And I always loved performance and I always loved like acting and singing. So I thought maybe I was supposed to do something in that world. But then I also knew I had to share my story in some way. Like I knew that that was part of my life's purpose. And I just kind of fought for it and tried to figure it out. And then one day I got this message from God after years of praying that was like, you should have a talk show. And I was kind of like, well, I think you gave the wrong message to me because I don't know anybody who has a talk show. I don't have any money. I have no experience. I have zero connections. And like when I mean zero, I mean zero connections I don't, how the hell do you expect me to have a talk show? Like the only people that have talk shows are like Oprah and Ellen. Like I don't have anything, you know, that they have. And, but again, I like knew it was the truth, even though it didn't fully make sense. And so I... And how did that message come to you? I'm just curious how you receive your intuitive guidance. Is it in meditation? Is it while you're just dancing or walking or just randomly? It's kind of all of it. I mean, I talk to God, like I always say, God is my boyfriend. Like I talk to God all day long and I'm not religious. It's not, I mean, I'm born a Hindu, but it's not a religion. It's just this loving energy that I feel is like guiding me throughout my whole life and, you know, wants the best for me and sometimes teaches me things in hard ways and sometimes in the most beautiful way. And so I'm constantly talking to God and I'm just like, Sometimes it'll be like, okay, I'm really, really stuck right now, which I know happened a lot during that time. And so I will just go and not work for a couple of hours and walk around the city and window shop and like, you know, maybe call a girlfriend and just surrender and let it go a little bit. And then the message can kind of come through. Other times I'll be led to someone and I just don't take anything for granted. So Like if I was, you know, really, there's so many times I've been like really stressed about something like, oh my God, how is this ever going to come through? I don't understand. You know, yesterday I got this message on Instagram about something for Chronic Con and I was like, oh my God, I'd never thought of that. How am I ever going to figure this out? I don't know anything about this thing. And then I went to a meeting 
20 minutes later and the girl that I was meeting with like knows all about this thing and like can introduce me to someone and this and that. And I'm just like, okay, God, I see you. You know what I mean? Wow. So it's stuff like that. This particular time was through prayer a lot though because I would be – I was so annoyed at God. I was like, listen, what are you doing? You told me that you wanted me to do this thing. (laughs) You told me that you wanted me to like share my message or something. You're not making it very easy. Like I need you to kind of show up, you know? And so I would pray for clarity all the time, like all day. Whenever I would feel frustrated and like my head was being banged up against a wall and I just felt like nothing was happening, I would just stop and pray for clarity and just be like, okay, God, I just want clarity. Just please let me know what I'm supposed to do. Please let me know what I'm supposed to do. And it feels like years later, (laughs) it took a while to get the message. It wasn't like poof. It's there. It was it was a journey. I got this message about doing a talk show. And then I knew it was the truth, even though it made zero sense. And so I just kind of did it. I, I basically decided that the one thing that Ellen and Oprah had that I didn't have to ask permission for was that they had a platform. Obviously, they have a huge platform. But I was like, well, I don't have to ask anybody to make a platform. Like, I can just do that myself. And see if anybody cares kind of thing. And so I did. I I launched an online magazine and it was called Bella Life. And I transitioned it into my own website after a while. But for five years, I had that website and it was everything to me. We, We had articles on there every day. I had over 100 contributors writing for me and I did video Wow. So that people could literally, my idea was that someone is going to see this one day and see that this could be a show. And three years later, I got an email from Asia TV that they wanted to, you know, have me come in and audition for a talk show on Z Living. And I got it. And it was just like, that's what I mean. Like God just guides you if you're open to it. I just feel like the universe, the divine, whatever you want to call it, will guide you. So yeah, so that was kind of the beginning of everything. And and it's been so much in between. I don't need to tell you every single detail, but you know, the biggest part that's kind of led me to now is that I did that show and I did like the self-help. The show was called Naturally Beautiful. And I somehow landed into like the beauty conversation because of the show. And I ended up on QVC with the skincare brand Fresh. And I was always bringing it back to my story in some way. Like, okay, if I'm going to talk about eye cream, I'm also going to talk about how like loving my skin is so important because I grew up with psoriasis and this is, you know what I mean? Like just try to connect it into a deeper place than just the surface of beauty. But it still wasn't enough. And I think around the time that you and I went to Israel, I was really kind of brought to my knees around my career because I felt like I had been doing all of this beauty stuff for so long and this self-love stuff for so long, but it wasn't really clicking anymore. You know, it was, it had been about six years by then I had been doing it and I felt like all of a sudden, and of course the election and the political climate really affected things, I think too, but I just felt like I would reach out to brands and reach out to companies that loved working with me. And then like all of a sudden there were just all these no's. And I didn't understand why, because when I would ask for feedback, the feedback was always positive. It was always like, we love working with you, but we cut this budget, but we don't, we're not doing these influencer programs anymore, but like our marketing team got cut or whatever it might be. And so, I mean, now in hindsight, I can say this very eloquently, but at the time (laughs) I was so mad. I was so depressed. I really questioned everything everything. And it lasted for like two years. And so where I just kept getting no's and I would get a little yes here and there, but nothing close to what I had been used to and nothing that showed me that I was on the right track, you know, and, and being somebody who's like, so in my faith, I was just like, God, did you forget my address? Like what's going on? And I was just so upset, you know, and and I think it's important to share that because I don't want anyone to ever look at what we're doing and think it's just glorified and like there's no, you know, downtime and it's like, oh, she just launched this thing and got a show and now her life's made like hell to the no. Like that is not the way that it is. 
But yeah, it was like a two-year period of of not understanding. And then I think the second year of it, which was like 2017, I just kind of let it go. And I kind of said to God, like, okay, God, you have brought me to my knees so much. If you don't want me to do the thing that I thought I was literally born to do, you're going to have to show me like what else you want me to do because I am so confused and so lost. And I spent most of 2017 in that conversation. And what ended up happening was, and this is so important, I think, for anyone who might be going through a challenging moment with their career, I took the pressure off of myself to make anything, you know, into the ultimate thing, right? And I just kind of started going through my life saying, what naturally comes up for me when I meet people? What do I naturally want to talk about? What's the thing that like when I talk to somebody, I light up and literally you can't shut me up because I cannot stop talking about this one thing. What is that? And I kind of didn't know at the time, you know, and I was like, let me just play. And like every time I meet someone, I'll kind of tell them that I have a different job description. (laughs) And, you know, like sometimes I'm a talk show host, sometimes I'm a writer, sometimes, you know, which are all true. And the thing I realized by the end of the year was that if someone ever started talking to me about chronic illness, I would feel like I would immediately, I mean, even thinking about it right now, I feel like I could get teary-eyed. Like I well up in a way that is just, it's so much bigger than me and my story and my own body. And you can't get me to stop talking about it and you can't get me to be any less passionate. Like it is just oozing out of me. and. I don't think I ever really gave myself permission to own that before I really got to the bottom. And I was like, well, what else do I have to lose? (laughs) I might as well just talk about this and see if anybody cares. And it was just kind of a series of, of things that, you know, that year that led me to be like, oh, I think people might care. Like I started a free Facebook group because I was like, I'm not going to spend any money rebranding and buying a new URL and doing all these things that people think that they need to do. I'm just going to do the work. So I started an open Facebook group, private Facebook group rather, for chronic illness. And and the stories, the people that showed up and showed me that they were hungry for this conversation, it was life-changing. you know. And then from there, things just grew. And last year, I, I thought of this idea of doing Chronicon and, and I had been doing events for my whole career. I've done events since before I started my website just because I I always wanted to be a host. So I thought, okay, I'm going to embody hosting in every capacity. And so I decided to host events. And it's been, you know, you've been to my self-love celebrations back in the day. And I've been doing events for 10 years. And so I, you know, I wanted to do something that was going to really serve this community. And and yeah, and the idea came about. And then before I knew it, Healthline Media was like, we want to do this with you. And I was like, are you serious? And so that's been great. And now I was just brought into an incubator to grow this into a startup, which is just oh, more wow. than even comprehend right now. All right. So before we move into startup, I had so many questions there in between. Yes. Thank you for letting me just go on and on because I appreciate sharing all of that. (laughs) I love speaking to someone who has such a comprehensive media background because you edit yourself in your head and everything that comes out of your mouth is just perfect. (laughs) But the question, you know, I love and appreciate how vulnerable and honest you are with how you share things. Anytime we have conversations about business, you're just so upfront and it's so refreshing. And I learned so much anytime we talk about business mm-hmm. and money too. Yeah. And so what I wanted to know is I remember clearly that when in those two years, you once you decided to really surrender, stop trying, stop pushing, and just let yourself be shown what the next step is you really created that space. You really took a break. So I'm curious from a financial standpoint, how did you make it work? Did you have savings? Did you still have some projects going? Because I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that sense of there is something more for me. There's definitely something more. What I'm doing now is not what I'm meant to be doing. But at the same time, the circumstances might not be there to create the space to actually listen to that voice and understand what it is that's actually pulling you in. So how did you make that work? 
I appreciate the question actually, because I think that that is what I think brought me to my knees so much. Like if I had been sitting on a ton of savings or a trust fund or, you know, one project that brought in tons of money, I think it would have been easier for me to just keep going the way that I was going and be like, okay, this is fine. Like it'll, it'll work itself out and maybe not be brought to my knees quite as much. But girl, that was not the case. (laughs) I was struggling. I had to get a job. I got a job consulting. I did marketing consulting for a real estate app that my friend was starting, which is like the most random thing ever. But I did it. I live in the Upper West Side. I went deep into Brooklyn three times a week for most of 2017. And I think the thing that's really important to note is that, you know, there's just something in me when people feel like, oh my God, I can't get a job. I, I can't, I can't do that. Like I need to be able to make my dream work. Like what does it say about me if I can't make it work? I just feel like that is so much ego and it's so much pressure on ourselves. And I think because of my health and the fact that I need to pay for medical expenses so much every month, I need to make sure I can pay for my health insurance and it's very real, right? My medication that I have to take in order to be able to walk because of my psoriatic arthritis is $5,000 a month. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's ridiculous, okay? And if I don't have the $500 insurance that I get every month, if I can't pay for that because I am not taking care of myself, I won't, like to me, it's like I won't be able to walk. Do you know what I mean? So I just take it very seriously and like how we take our supplements and we do our yoga and we do all of that. I'm like, you get yourself a job and you get yourself taken care of, right? Like my mama bear (laughs) kind of comes out around that stuff because I'm just like, there is no shame in making sure you are okay. And that is literally what I had to do, right? So I went to this place of like, okay, I have some things coming in. And it was interesting because like as I got a job, I actually felt like there were more opportunities that came. Like I remember, I think I met Healthline during this time. It was like two years ago. And and yeah, I remember like the first time I worked with them was while I was consulting at this, you know, company and doing their marketing. And I was just like, this is so weird because I've been like dying for a project like this, you know, for so long and it, and it wasn't coming. And as soon as I just was like, God, I surrender. Like I'm going to do whatever it takes to just make sure I'm good. It allowed my nervous system to relax. It allowed me to just, and I think that was a really pivotal moment for my work too, right? Because as I'm achieving things that are kind of of my wildest dreams right now, I think I'm also really aware of how fleeting this all can be. I'm also really aware that this doesn't make me special. I'm not on some sort of a pedestal. Like things can happen positively in a second and things can also change and you never know what's going to happen. My job is to just be of service, be the most in integrity that I can be, take care of myself and be of service like as the top thing. I mean, I think I said that twice because that's like how much I think about it. (laughs) But that period of my life really showed me that. It kind of, for lack of a better way of saying it, but I think it's actually very real, it kind of popped my fantasy bubble you know, because I mean, and I know you're you're in this world too of like the self-help world, right? And it's like we manifest things and that is so real. Like I know you manifested your beautiful new home and I know – and like I manifested getting that talk show, you know, and I know that that's real. But there's also this other part of it that I feel like people don't talk about enough, which is like, yes, you have the power of manifestation, And we also need to live in the real world and live in reality. And I know that's probably not the most popular thing to say, but I think it's actually very healthy and humbling, especially for people who are dealing with diseases like MS and Crohn's disease and lupus and all the different conditions out there that really are debilitating, that, yeah, we can, you know, have positive thoughts and that helps so much. And we can think about our bodies being healed and think about ourselves being healthy. But many days until we get to a place of stability, we are in pain. 
And so I think that there's just like this thing that needed to happen for me where it was like I needed to really get to rock bottom and I had to get a job and I had to show up and I had to be grateful for the opportunity to make real money while I was like, you know, not sure what was happening. And it was just, yeah, and it it was very humbling in a way that I think I really needed. Wow. I, I got chills when you were sharing this. It just resonated so much because in my conscious social media program, a lot of the people are either full-time healers or entrepreneurs, artists, creatives. Everyone's sort of in the realm of elevating the consciousness. And some are doing this full-time. Some want to be doing it full-time in terms of having it be the main source of revenue. And it really takes some humility to take on whatever it takes, meaning jobs, relocations, lifestyle adjustments to make it work. And we're not always given the red carpet that's just rolled out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things that we're meant to do actually are meant to be hard. And it just takes that conviction to keep going and keep doing it. And really, that one thing you said of mama bear, it just brought up so much in me. It's this idea of mothering yourself and being tender to yourself and holding yourself and just being like baby girl, baby boy, what do you need? How can I support you? How can I love you? And let's make it happen no matter what it takes. It's so such a powerful reminder. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I think it's important to talk about because like there's so much shame around like, oh, you don't have this, you know, yippity doo da like skipping across affirmations, like, you know, just doing everything perfectly experience of growing your business. Like what's wrong with you? Like, why aren't you able to manifest? You know what I mean? And it's like, no, like I now that I'm out of that rough period of that particular rough period, I'm sure there's going to be ups and downs ahead too. But that particular low moment, I feel like I can really see I mean, the universe working for me, you know, and kind of stripping me down to all of these things that I don't think I would have had the courage to start talking about chronic illness in this like unapologetic way that I am now if I wasn't like, what else do I have to lose? I literally have nothing else to lose. Do you know what I mean? I think it made such a huge difference. I think it really was happening for me. So what do you do in those moments when you go through your low challenging periods? Are there any practices or people you go to or books? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, community and relationships have always been just like, I feel like I see God the most in people. And, you know, when I feel like I can't connect to God or I'm not feeling connected to my center, I'm not feeling so positive, I tend to call you know, two or three of my closest friends. I also have a therapist and I I highly recommend therapy to everybody. I think everybody needs it, whether for a long period of time or not. I just think that there are things that we aren't meant to process by ourselves. Yeah. And so my therapist has really helped me over the years and she knows me so well that we're able to really move through things pretty easily. Yeah. I have a handful of friends that also know me really well and can kind of reflect back to me like the greater truth of my life and what, you know, the full story of my life is versus like the depressing thing that I'm focusing on in that moment that I seem to think is the whole truth, but it's not. It's just a moment. So those things really, really help me. I also am just like a big fan of um, just like vegging, vegging out. I mean, it's not, it doesn't sound very spiritual. What does that look like? But it's like, oh my God, just taking the pressure off of myself. Like I, you know, spirituality, all of those things, it's just a way of life for me. It's not like a moment, right? But I think that sometimes I need to just take all of the pressure off. Like I don't need to show up so perfectly. And so it'll look like, you know, me getting into really soft, comfy clothes getting under a really soft, comfy blanket and, you know, going and just watching Netflix, watching something funny, something romantic, something mindless, not the news, Um, you know, some Queer Eye would be great. Oh, yes. You know, that's always great. Or just some sort of like a rom-com. I found myself 
watching reruns of Sex and the City again. You know, so just stuff that just kind of makes me feel like it's not heavy and I'm not thinking about anything too much and I'm just enjoying entertainment. You know what I mean? And like just kind of plugging into that. So those are kind of the things that I do. I also find over the years I've really embraced the fact that I am an introvert and a lot of people don't like believe me when I say that because I'm pretty outspoken and my career is, you know, forward facing and whatever, but that's work and it's a part of who I am, but it's not the core of who I am. And the people who know me the best are really aware of the fact that I actually, I need a lot of alone time and I need, I need to recharge, you know, in stillness. And to me, stillness is just like being in my apartment, maybe like doing the dishes or, you know, making my bed or putting away my clothes or just like those kinds of things. So in mornings, even when I feel like I'm feeling off, I'll kind of do some of those simple tasks to like get myself a little grounded. And yeah, and I think it's just that simple. I think just like how sadness and frustration is part of life, like joy and, and, you know, peace are too. So just kind of being more comfortable on those waves, the ups and downs and not making either side mean too much. Like when good things happen, it's not everything. And when bad things happen, it's not everything, you know? So that's definitely an upside of being self-employed is being able to have those days where you take a day off or you work from your bed. And At the same time, what I want to ask you about, when you are a media personality, whatever that means, maybe your business presence or Instagram presence is a big part of your business and brand. Yeah. And there's this element of showing up. You got to show up for your business to keep functioning, even when you don't feel like it. And I feel like from your experience, there's also, it's not just the mental aspect of showing up, but also the physical, you know, how did you possibly work with QVC and be a TV host when, while ha- with psoriasis? Because yeah. you can't control when you have flare-ups. So how do you show up both with physical challenges and with mental challenges, like days that we all have when you just don't want to be seen? Yeah. No, I have a lot of those days. And, and kind of to work backwards, like right now I'm noticing – what I'm noticing right now is – as as I'm building Chronicon is that I don't really want to be on camera all the time. And I don't really want to be creating content that is my, you know, my face and me forward facing all the time. It's a huge part of my business, as you said, but I just really try to honor, like even this morning I had this post that I was going to post on my Instagram feed and, you know, there's all these rules, like you should post on your feed every day so that like you get better engagement. And my engagement, I feel like is always so all over the place and it's mercury retrograde right now. So, you know, we can just blame everything on that. But I try to just honor it because I feel like when it feels easy and it feels like it's just flowing out of me, like a post or whatever video, then I know that it's going to be great because even if you know, a, per- a small percentage of the people that normally see it, see it or whatever. I-, I just know I'll feel really good about it. And so that way it's like successful already. But I don't always feel like being on camera right now, especially. And I'm just trying to honor that and find ways that are okay. And so then like when I do feel like being on camera, I'm just like, then I kind of try to maximize that, <laughs> you know? And do as much as I can and then give myself days that I don't have to. Like, I don't know. I just really try to feel into that and honor that flow. But when I was, I mean, it's so crazy. I forget this often, but when I was auditioning for Naturally Beautiful, my show, I had psoriasis all over. I was going through such a bad flare up. And I walked into the audition and was like, you know, when you like are wearing a long sleeve shirt or something and you like pull down the sleeves over your hands kind of thing. And you're Mm -hmm. just like holding on. I was doing that the entire audition. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what they're going to think. I don't know. Maybe they won't notice. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So it was crazy. And I think what, I think what possessed me (laughs) at the time was just knowing that this, it wasn't about that and kind of knowing that I was meant to have a show. And I just felt it in my body that that was like the right show for me. But, you know, so I kind of didn't care. I was like, okay, I, I remember my friend 
Quinn came over like the night before my big meeting with them to see if I was going to get the show or not. And I was nervous and I was excited and I was like, can you help me pick an outfit and like all this stuff? And then she started saying to me, she's like, I want you to repeat, you're a motherfucking superstar. (laughs) And I just started amping myself up. You know, it was like ridiculous, but it was awesome. And I was just like, I guess I was just taking myself out of, you know, the trauma and the sadness and the insecurity. And I was just focusing on this is so much bigger than me. Like I need to do this so that I can help more people. Like that's what this is about. So like this needs to be okay, you know? And yeah. And I had a producer ask me about my skin. I remember, I'll never forget it. And I was about to start like another medication at the time because my medication had stopped working. And I was just like, yeah, don't worry about it. By the time we start filming, this will all be gone. Don't worry. And I had no idea if that was the case. I just said it because I was like, yep, that's what's going to happen. That's what I'm going to make it happen somehow. I don't know how, but that's what's going to happen. It's going to be fine. And lo and behold, it was, you know, fine when I started filming, but it was really hard, you know, and even doing QVC and and I've always kind of, even when my psoriasis has been better, I've always kind of had a few spots on my legs and I do right now too. And so it's just kind of like, who the flip cares? Like, okay. So I have a few spots on my legs. It's just really, you know, caused me to own my body and own my body's journey and know that I am not my body and that I have a body and my body is having a specific experience and that's it, you know, and detaching from my worth being about how small I am or how smooth my body and my skin is. And it's work. I have to work on that every day. You know, my, my weight fluctuates a lot with my health, like inflammation. I mean, when I'm going through a flare, my body swells up so much. You know, I get hormonal imbalances really easily because like it's connected to all these different things and processes in the body. And that makes me kind of get more swollen. And then all of a sudden I'll lose like 25 pounds in two months because I'll just like stop eating one thing and my body will be like, yes, that's what we wanted you to do. And it's just yo-yo all the time. And it's been a challenge to own that just as much as the skin. That's been hard, you know, like to own the weight conversation around it and just be like, okay, I'm going to be in this swimsuit ad or do this thing or whatever it is. And I'm going to be okay with the fact that I am shooting this ad on the morning that I am so swollen and I don't feel great about my body right now, but I'm going to own it you know? So yeah. Speaking of a bathing suit campaign, you're in New York subway on a poster in an ad campaign. Yeah, it's weird. That's incredible. (laughs) So this is something that we haven't even gotten into, but you're someone, and I only know a small part of it. You're someone who is a model, someone who hosted group coaching programs, someone who's spoken on stages, done huge events. You've done so much and you're just so creative in way that you create revenue for your business. I'm curious, what role did social media and still does play in everything that you do? Oh gosh, it plays such a huge role. I mean, sometimes I wish that it didn't, to be honest with you, because I I feel like social media can be, and I know you teach about this in the course that you have, and you also just in the way that you are on social media. And I think I I resonate with all of the stuff that you talk about so much because I try to be the same of just like bringing the light into social media. But it's a challenge sometimes, you know, and I have to really watch the amount that I consume social media. I have to really focus on positive accounts. I have to mute people a lot if I feel like I'm getting triggered by them, which is usually my own stuff, but I have to just like honor it and be like, okay, I really shouldn't be looking at this person's stuff all the time. Um, But on the flip side of that, social media has transformed my ability to reach people. You know, I remember when I first started Bella Life and I like hadn't, I mean, I think I had a Facebook page, but I like didn't really know what it was even. I just kind of had had it. And I remember starting to post on my Facebook page. This was obviously before Instagram. And the fact that I could, you know, instead of texting or calling like five people, I could reach like 500 people or whatever it was at the time 
was just really transformative. And it makes me feel, you know, and now with Instagram, it makes me feel like if I just focus on what I want people to feel and how I want to make people feel and I am consistent in that, you know, goal, it's such a positive, beautiful place to be you know, and it's really powerful. And and now, especially with Chronicon, it's like all the messages that I'm getting from people that want to be a part of it or want to speak or want to help or, you know, just all of it. It's just, it's so overwhelmingly wonderful. Like it's just so humbling, you know? So I think social media has played a huge role. And, and, you know, like the swimsuit campaign, I met that company on social media. Like that's how we met, you know? And there's so many things nowadays that I have met I have gotten opportunities because of people I've met on social media. So it's really, I honor it, I guess, is the way I would say it, as like a wonderful tool. And I also am really aware that I need to keep my mental health in check by managing it at the same time. Mm, so important. And something you raised through is you said that your al- you get higher up in the algorithm if you post every day. I can't say that I agree with that. Yeah, I have no idea. Let me just be real with you. <laughs> No one, knows, no one knows, you know, yeah. any marketing expert that tells you that they know how the algorithm works, they're not telling you the truth because no one knows. Yeah. Even people who work at Instagram, yeah. I don't think they know. I don't think so either. Like maybe select few who created it know it, but most of the time I find that just focusing on sharing content that comes from a place of just overflow and I need to share this yeah. is what ends up getting the most engagement, landing really deeply, and leaving you feel self-expressed and connected to people and not, oh, hold on, hold on. It's been two days. I haven't posted. I need to do this. So this like more intuitive, flowy strategy is what I teach in my program. And I find that creates just so much brain space and heart space for us to focus on things that matter. Yeah. I feel so much better when I do that. Like I was saying this morning, I was like going to post something because I felt like I needed to. And then I was like, I don't feel like posting this right now. Like I don't have the energy. I don't feel like writing a caption. Like I'm good. And I just shut my phone. It was like, I don't have to do it. Like it's fine, you know? And maybe I'll post it on Monday. Like, you know, and it's only Wednesday today when we're talking. So like, it's fine. Like, I totally agree. I think I try to be consistent just because it makes me feel like I'm accomplishing something. (laughs) But that's also a part of our society that we feel like we just always need to be grinding in order to be achieving, you know, and that's not actually true. Yes. Okay. So moving into Chronicon, when I think about it, what comes to mind is this idea that's been on my mind a lot lately. It's this legacy, really creating legacy. Mm -hmm. When I think about my work, a lot of the work I do, teaching social media courses, creating content with brand partners for Breakfast Criminals. Mm -hmm. If I stop doing that tomorrow, it's not running itself. It's going to be poof gone. Of course, it will live on in some ways. The podcast will still be there. But I haven't yet put my energy into creating a legacy of something that is run by community and lives Mm -hmm. on. And it sounds like to me, and you tell me, Chronicon is exactly that. It's something that's way beyond you, that's running on a team of people and not just you. And it's a big leap. Huge. Tell me more about (laughs) how it feels for you and what the vision is. Yeah. I mean... It's funny because like I didn't think of like creating a legacy when I decided to do it, but I hear what you're saying and I I guess that is true. That is what I'm doing in some ways. I mean, God willing, right? We'll see how this first one goes. The first one's October 28th in New York City, right in the heart of Union Square, which is exciting. And, And yeah, and I think what happened was like I was just like, okay, I know I need to do this first one. And I had, as I said earlier, I had done events for 10 years. So I was like, okay, no, I can do an event, (laughs) you know? But then what happened through this process is that when I had the idea, and I don't know if you've ever felt this before. I feel like you probably have. It's almost like you can feel the grant, like how big the idea is just in your body before you even tell anyone. And that was kind of my experience with Chronicon. Like I sat with the idea for a good six months before I told anyone because every time I would think about it, I would feel this like massive energy in my body. And I was just like, God, are you sure about this? Like, I don't know if this is the right thing. I have two chronic illnesses myself. Like, 
I don't have any investors or capital or like, I don't even have a boyfriend that can like help me strategize or take on some of this stuff, you know? So I was like, I'm not sure this is the right idea. Like, I don't know. But it, again, it was, I knew it was the truth, right? I knew it needed to happen. And so, yeah. So the vision has gone from me just being like, I just want to do this one event and do it really well. And then like, you know, God willing, I'll be able to do a second one and see what happens. To, as I said, you know, kind of touched on earlier, like getting brought into this incubator that is run by two friends of mine that I've actually known for like 10 years. So I've known them for a long time. And, you know, we're going to be building this thing into hopefully a mega company that can help a lot of people. And then on top of that, Healthline has joined forces with me for this first one. And, you know, and we'll see what what happens beyond the first one. But the first one, you know, we're building really together and it's been amazing. And so, yeah, I don't even know. I'm just being stretched so much. Like it's all positive, but it's definitely a huge leap. And I think I'm entering a phase of my life where I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to be okay. Like not being able to accomplish every single thing on my to-do list every single day or not being able to like call every person back like the second they reach out to me or whatever, because it's just, my time has just become filled with wanting to grow this thing so that I can help as many people as possible. And I think that is the thing that's very different from what I've done in the past is that I think it was always very, you know, we're the talent, right? Like that's kind of how it's looked at in media. Like we're the talent, we're the entity, you know, and that's amazing. Like the fact that we can do that at all is so awesome and it's such a privilege. But I think there's a part of me and maybe it's from that two-year period of just feeling like so much of that got taken away that I just wanted to build something that was much bigger than me and that like maybe is being birthed out of my experience. But it's also, I'm very aware that I am one experience out of millions, you know? And so the National Health Council states that 157 million people will have a chronic illness by 2020. And that is not a niche market. And I think that was kind of what really cracked me open because when you have a chronic illness, a lot of people will say this, like there's a part of you that kind of always feels like you're the only one, especially if you're the only one in your family that struggles with your health in the way that you do, which is typical for a lot of people. And so I kind of still felt like that, even though I knew I wasn't the only one and I'm I'm 38 now. So I've obviously met people that have psoriasis and, and all of that, but I you still kind of feel like that. You know, and I think a huge part of my mission is to let us know that we're not alone, not in the slightest. And that hopefully can help break the stigma that we carry around with us every day and as we go through our lives. So, yeah, it's much bigger than me. So, just so that we can look back in a few years and feel warmth in our hearts, what would the success of Chronicon? look like? Just imagine we're looking <laughs> back and it went the best it could possibly go. Where is it? Like this first event or like the business startup that I'm creating? Anything. Think as big as you feel like. I mean, what we're thinking of building, I mean, I feel like even jittery just saying this out loud because I just don't even know how it's going to be possible. But basically, you know, the people that I'm working with are very convinced that this could be a multi-million dollar company. And I'm obviously not doing this for the money because if I was doing anything for the money, I would have quit my job a long time ago, just to be totally clear. But that's, I think, financially what they're thinking. And also for me, what the success would be like is having a really successful event, at least yearly, and and just really getting the kinks sorted out, getting the partners on board, like having all of that feel like it's flowing. And then I also would love to have merchandise at some point. I have a line of products right now with another company, but like I want to have Chronicon, chronic illness specific merchandise, which would be really awesome. I also want to have like retreats and online programs and just like grow it into this mecca for, you know, people who are dealing with chronic illness and also people who are loving people with a chronic illness or treating people with a chronic illness. I think probably the thing that sticks out to me the most out of all of that is the service part. I'm actually visiting a camp that serves under 
underprivileged children who have HIV and sickle cell in August. I'll be doing that. And my friends are all like, could you just make some money before you decide that you're going to give it all away? (laughs) But that's kind of like in the back of my heart, that's like the thing I'm holding out for, I think. Like when I have enough profit that I can say like, okay, I can actually sponsor a whole session of this camp and we can add another session, which means like another week of camp to the year and like bring more children in and, you know, maybe we can get it sponsored by, by certain companies or whatever. Like, I think that is the ultimate success, like that I could help children who are ages eight to 16, which is like freaking brutal, you know, feel less alone and feel transformed and held and connected through the work that we're doing. Like, oh my God, life made, life made. <laughs> mm, yeah. I see that for you. Thank all you. of it. Nitika, what an amazing conversation. We covered so many things. I know. And before we wrap up, is there anything else that you feel called to share with our listeners? Oh, gosh. Well, I just want to say that I think you're the best. I just love you. And I feel like, you know, doing the work that we do, it's just such a privilege when you meet people that are the real deal and that have such a big heart. And you are that person. You're so, like, sensitive and loving. Mm. And it's just lovely. And anytime I see you, and I think that's why we've gone so deep, you know, so, like, every time we meet, whether it's at, like, a (laughs) random cocktail party or it's, like, on a bus in Israel, we're just, like, tell you, tell us our souls, you know, like, we tell each other our souls. And it's really, it's really beautiful. And so thinking about being on your podcast, I was so excited, you know, and I do podcast interviews all the time and I have my own podcast, which I hope your people will check out. It's called The Point of Pain. Check it out, people. Yeah. And I was, I'm just, honestly, I'm just so honored to, you know, know you and be your friend and and get to share anything with your community that you've built because it's pretty awesome. So just wanted to tell you that. Thank you so much. I'm so in awe of your creating. Guys, I hope you are moved by this conversation as much as I am. And I'd love to hear your takeaway. So take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast, wherever you're listening to it, and post it on Instagram stories and tag at Woke and Wired and at Nitika Chopra. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, and Nitika, where should people connect with you? Oh, yeah. Find me on the gram. That's like our place. So yeah, if you could... Find me over there at Nitika Chopra, as Ksenia said earlier. And yeah, that's the best place. And then also, if you're into it, follow at ChronicCon Official. And that's tagged on in my bio, so you can just check it out there. And I'm going to link to everything we spoke about in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now. <laughs>